message you're about to listen to is produced by the Trans Edge Church. We believe you will be blessed and changed by it. The Trans Edge change is inevitable. We praise you, God. We honor you, God. You are worthy, God. You're amazing. You're beautiful beyond description. You're too marvelous for words. You're too wonderful for comprehension. Like nothing ever seen or heard. Who can grasp your infinite wisdom? Who can fathom the depths of your love? Who praise you for who you are? And for all the mighty things that you do in us. We worship you. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now, very quickly this morning, I'm just going to be sharing with us. On a topic that I've titled, Encouragement. The significance of encouragement. Now, I want to use this opportunity to welcome everyone to the house. God bless you, increase you, cause his face to shine upon you. And I pray that this word will not fall on an absent minded heart, but rather will fall on a heart that is ready to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. God's got something for us. Amen. And I'd rather hear God's voice. In Jesus' name. James chapter 3, verse 9, 10, 12, 17 to 19. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Now, in this scripture, he was talking about the, the tongue, as in the words that we speak. And it says in verse 9, it says, Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. Say, and so, blessing and cursing come, from, come pouring out of the same mouth? Surely, my brothers and sisters... This is not right. So does a fig tree produce olives? Or a grape vine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is also always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Say amen. amen. Now this verse, or rather this scripture is telling us something about the words that we speak. You know, when we came in this morning, 
some of us came in when the praise and worship has already started. And some of us found ourselves just lifting our hands and singing unto God. And really, you know, doing that physical act of worship, which is fantastic. But think about something. You sang and gave praise to God. You honored God with your words. And think about it. What James is telling the church is, at times, we forget that we've already honored God with our words from our lips, the same mouth. And yet we use the same mouth and the same words to pull down other people. And he's saying, hey, it's not supposed to be that way. So in other words, we should be mindful of the words that we speak. So every second before words come out from our mouth, we need to think about it first. Out of the same mouth, it says, produces blessing and a curse. So my brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. But you see, my point this morning is not going in the part of, hey, uh, you know, breathe your tongue, be careful what you speak. No, I'm not talking about that this morning, but I'm rather talking about the blessing. I'm talking about using your words to bless others, to encourage others. Now, you don't know how much words would help someone to move from one point to another until you actually tried it. So encouragement is everything. Encouragement changes everything. It changes everything. Isaiah chapter 50 verse 40 says, The sovereign Lord has given me his words of wisdom so that I know how to comfort the weary, in other words, the tired. Morning by morning he awakens me and opens my understanding to his will. So God has given me. And in King James Version, he calls it the tongue of the learned. He is giving me words of wisdom so that I know how. That's quite interesting how he says, giving me the words of wisdom so that I know how. No, he, he would have rather said, he's giving me the word of wisdom to speak to. But he's not saying that. He's saying words of wisdom so that I know how. In other words, wisdom helps you to determine the kind of words you speak. Because you might have all the knowledge. But without wisdom, knowledge will get you in trouble. True? It will get you in trouble. But when you have wisdom, you know when to speak the right words. You know when to encourage someone. You know when to see that something is going on and when to step in and go, hey, how's it going? Amen. Yeah. You know, as God's children, the Bible tells us that the iron sharpens iron, right? It says, as iron sharpens iron, so are we meant to encourage ourselves. So as you come into God's house, the expectation is that you go away motivated, you go away inspired because you've just fellowshiped with God's people. You've fellowshiped with your family. You see, not the kind of family systems that we have um, in our world where you see brothers don't talk to brothers, sisters don't talk to sisters. Uh, they hardly, you know, even communicate. But there's... There's a different type of family. 
this family where we can be ourselves and be inspiring to others. We can. You think it's possible? It is possible. We can. So my first point today is that encouragement inspires. George Matthew said, encouragement is oxygen to the soul. And John C. Maxwell said that people go farther than they thought they, would, they could go when someone else thinks they can. <clears throat> people go farther than they thought they could go when someone else thinks they can. So when I think you can go farther, I will continue to encourage you. Hey, how's it going? Uh, you told me, you know, the reason is, there's a reason some people don't tell me what they want to do. Because from the very moment they tell me, I become um, a pest. I go, hey, that thing you said you were going to do, how's it going? You go, I've not started, so when are you going to start? Say, so I'm still thinking about it, okay. All right. How long are you going to keep thinking? And then, the following week, we're going to have the same, exact same conversation. So how's it going? Have you made the decision yet? You know, there's, you know, one of our sisters here, she's gone to uni the first year, she didn't really like it, and she's thinking, she thought, you know what, I'm just going to quit. At least for one year, I thought, that's not happening. And she's thinking, but I just don't know. I don't feel like it. I said, still, it's not happening. You started, you're going to finish. And that might be tough at times, you know. That might be tough. But who says it's always easy? Who loves to go to work? I, I don't. But what inspires you to go to work? Because you've got to pay bills. You go to work anyway. Come on, right? It's true. So regardless of how much you paid, if you're told, just come whenever you want to come and we'll still pay you anyway. Think about it, how many people will be staying at home and working from home? But you know, most of us, the kind of work that you do, you can actually work from home, but they don't allow you to because you, they know you won't do anything. You know, I met a friend last week. He was saying that, Working from home is more work. You see, because whenever my wife sees that I'm working from home, I'll be the one to pick up the kids. I'll be the one to prepare dinner. I'll be the one to do everything at home. I'm like, yeah, that's the truth. But can I say to you, that when you inspire someone to, to go farther, you are not only just doing it for that person, you are doing it for another generation to come. Amen. You know, there are three kinds of people in the world. I'm not sure which one you are, but I'm just going to say the three. The first one are the well poisoners. The well poisoners. They discourage and stomp on your creativity. They hear that you're doing a particular thing, they go, oh, yeah, right? You sure? 
That's not really good. Are you sure you can do it? It's really stressful, you know? What did you say you were studying again? Engineering? No, it's not meant for people like you. And then you turn around, they've enrolled for the same course. Quite interesting. Be careful of people like that. The second type of people are the lawnmowers. The lawnmowers, they mow only their lawn. You know, what they do, they are only concerned about themselves. If it benefits them, they will talk with you. If it doesn't benefit them, they don't care. Don't be that kind of a person. Then the third kind of people are the life enhancers. The life enhancers. They get satisfaction when they help others grow. They get satisfaction. So what makes them wake up in the morning is because they know someone else is going to benefit from their actions. They're just pleased to help someone. And those are the people that they're not gaining anything from it, but they just come to volunteer. They show up when there's a call. Say, we need to do something. Say, I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll help. Is someone hungry? You know, I had you know, someone saying yesterday after the uh, food care program that they are going all the way to the city to take the food from here to the city to give to the homeless people. And I'm thinking, that's a life enhancer right there. We, we've said it's going to be here in Jamison Town. So anyone in Jamison Town, you're welcome. But people come from the outside. Fantastic, that's great. But now, someone is thinking, I'm not taking for myself, but I'm taking for people that I don't even know way out in the city. I call that person a life enhancer. Looking for a way to make another person better. I think that's what God wants us to do. To be a life enhancer. With your words, be a life enhancer. Don't find yourself, you know, even in your own mind, talking people down. Be a life enhancer. Because what is in your heart anyway is what comes out of your mouth. Allow someone to talk a bit. After three minutes, you start to realize who they actually are. They can't pretend for long. You know that? They can't pretend for long. You start to realize. But what you have in your heart, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. The words will come out. And if you are a life enhancer, it will show in the conversations that you have with people. So there are three ways to see in that circumstance. You look up to the people that are down. Think about that word for a minute. You look up to the people that are down, in other words, that are below you, and you look up to the people that are above you. And you can encourage both ways. You know that? You can encourage both ways. That you're already in a particular, you know, situation or a place of advantage does not mean that you have arrived. 
And that does, does not mean that you cannot use your position to help someone else become better. You may never achieve a particular thing, but you can help others achieve it. True? And that is what Jesus has come to give us the power to do because without God's word in our heart, he said, love your brothers, love your sisters, right? He said, love them, love them. He said, how many of you say you love God and yet hate your brother? I say, you're a liar because the love of God is not in you. So how do you prove that you love your, your brothers and sisters if you can't inspire them, if you can't motivate them to achieve something much more than you've achieved yourself. For some of us, we are too, we've come too far to achieve some few things, right? We're too old. But look at the younger ones and go, you know what, you can do it. You can do it. I, I was looking at um, a young guy the other day, I think about 18, 19 years old, and he's just gotten an admission, but he's still thinking, I can't go through this whole thing because medicine is eight years. I'm like, you're young. He said, but at the, at the point where I finish study, I'll be probably 26, 27. So that is still young. Just do it. Don't think about it. Just do it. Say, hi, but let me just take a year off to think about it. I say, you're adding one more year to your graduation. Start it now. Just do it. Just do it. First and foremost, why do you want to be a medical doctor in the first place? He said, because I really want to help people. I said, not about the money, right? He said, and that too. I said, good. At least you are telling yourself the truth. Because not everyone wants to spend all the money just to help people. True? It's true. You just need to be honest to yourself. So about the money and actually about helping people. Fantastic. Then start now. Start now. Amen. Amen. You know, an another thing I thought about life enhancers is that when someone does something that you consider good, what do you do? You encourage them. You encourage them. You applaud them. Well done. Something good. Perhaps they didn't even do it as good as you did or as good as you know how to do. What do you still do? You applaud them. If they do it as good as you do, what do you do? You applaud them. But hey, our human minds go, I've got a competition. And we start to compete against each other. So now, if he knows how to do as much that I do, as I do, I'm going to have a competition. So I won't be recognized as much as I'm recognized right now. So instead, I'm going to look for every way possible to block him or block her from coming through. It happens, especially at work. Am I on my own here? Okay, good, thank you. All right. It, it does happen. They go, oh, so you went to take that course as well. Yeah, all right, fantastic, well done, great. 
And because they know that everyone who goes through that course is a potential team leader. And they are the current team leader. And they, there is no potential of them moving upward. And they go, oh, wow, great, well done. And then what happens? The next thing that you're doing, you're looking at it very well and scrutinizing it. And going, you didn't do that well. If you want to be a team leader, you better be ready. They discourage you in some ways. But can I say to you, you don't have to be at the position where the other person is going. Always be a ladder. Be a ladder. Be a ladder. Let, let them step on you to move up. But you know what? You have a part in their history. And your part is, I helped him. And you don't even have to say it. They will always know that you helped them. They will always know. They will always know that you were there when they needed a hand. So when someone does good, applaud them. And Samuel Goldwyn said, when you applaud people that do good or that are done good in their lives, you make two people happy. Yourself and them. You make two, two people happy. My second point is encourage those who inspire you. And that is usually difficult. How many of you have ever thought about, you know, I've got a boss. I've got to encourage my boss. That's difficult. Right? You know, I heard this a long time ago. He said, no one ever likes their boss. I'm sorry if you're a boss. And if you have anyone under you right here. Unless otherwise you're a Christian. Unless otherwise you've got the fear of God in your heart. There's something you always hide away from your boss. Always hide away from your boss. And when your boss is around you, you know, the behavior changes. And when your boss is not there, you, you are yourself. Who knows what you're doing when your boss is not there? Why? Because the boss is always trying to make sure that you are efficient but our human um, understanding and, and thought always want to do whatever we want to do. You don't tell me what to do. I do whatever I want to do. But the boss is saying, hey, this is a policy. This is how we have to do it because we have a target. And you're going, I already know what to do. Can you just leave here? You know, while your boss is talking to you, your mind is going, can you just leave? Thank you. I've heard you. Thank you. Can you go now? You've done well. Halfway through, you've not really heard what they've said because your mind is just antagonizing everything they've said. Just go now, okay? And then you're smiling. Thank you. Just go. <laughs> All right, I heard you. But you can encourage a boss in a different way because it's your mindset. Don't forget what James said. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing to the Lord and cursing to people. At times it's not just cursing. At times it's our perception. The way we perceive others. The way we think about others. 
So how do you encourage your boss? Thank them for believing in you. Thank them for hiring you. Let them know that if it weren't for them, you probably might not be in that job at that moment. Thank them for giving you the opportunity. And you know what? Whenever any other opportunity comes up, they'll think about you first. That's what encouragement does. Encouragement opens doors. So when you encourage upwards, it opens doors. When you encourage downwards, it makes you a confident. That people can easily come back to you and confide in you. You know what is going on? Because they know whenever they come to you, they will be inspired. They will be motivated. They will be encouraged to move forward. Another one, you can encourage your leader. You can encourage your, your pastors. You can encourage your parents. Now, let's talk about parents for a moment. You know, most of us, we feel like, you know, our parents owe us. <laughs> you know, it's your fault that you gave birth to me, so it's your responsibility to look after me. But you can encourage them. You can encourage them for their sacrifice. Because from the very day they gave birth to you, they started sacrificing. Thank God they didn't leave you at the hospital and run away. <laughs> Honestly, think about it. If they saw everything that you would take them through, the sleepless night for the first five months, if they could quantify them from the very first day and they gave them a big manual and say, this is the manual that comes with this baby. And this is what they're going to take you through until they graduate from the uni. You leave them at the hospital. It's true. But you see, parenting is one day at a time, right? I've come to know that because I'm a parent. It's one day at a time. One day you get really stressed out. One day you get really angry. One day you get really glad that you have them. And especially when I drop my kids off at school, I just keep watching them until they, get, they disappear out of sight. And every time I look at them, I just feel like, wow, how much they've grown. But thank you for these kids. And I look at myself and go, and those three munchkins call me father. It's true. They call me father. Thank God. But they can be annoying. It's true. They can be the most annoying kids. But I love them. And you know what? I'll do it again. Three more? No. Shh. Come on. Don't do that. No, no, no. Well, well. All right. But, but at the end of the day, it is for us to look back at our parents and go... We know how much you've sacrificed for us. Last year, two years ago, we went to the UK. Do you know how much it cost us to take all five of us there? It was a lot. If it was just only two of us, myself and my wife, oh, we would even go to all other parts of Europe. <laughs> but we could only make one trip, came back. And then the following year, uh, my in-laws said, we need to come to Canada for something special. So, not again. But we had to go with them. We would have said, hey, Lillian, can you have the kids? And we're going. But we couldn't do that. 
But aside from that, it was a joy having them and taking them with us. It's such a joy. But put yourself in the position of the kids and looking at your parents, you think it's their responsibility to do it. True? You don't have clothes, you go back to dad and mom. Think about it, you know, for some of you, 50 years back, okay? Think about it and go, hey, dad, I'm hungry. And you don't care where that food is coming from, provided you eat. Mom, I've got to do this. They said I should bring this from school. My kids think there's a place we'll just get money. It's true. They just think there's a place we'll get money. And then they ask me, but dad, why are you going to work? Stay with us. I'm like, no, I've got to go make money. They say, but you have all the money. No, I don't. But they will grow up and realize that you've made so much sacrifice. And there's one way to make it all count. Recognize that they've made sacrifices and thank them for it. Even if you have the worst parent ever, they've made sacrifice for you. Amen. How about your spouse? You know, at times we just think it's their responsibility. Right? I'm not sure. The traditional style of, of relationship, you know, has so far evolved, actually, that there is no particular um, role requirement anymore, which I thank God for. Um, yes. But we used to think, you know, women just go, you know, stay at home and look after the kids and while the men work. Right? And then when the men come back home and find that the house is a bit dirty, they go, and you have been at home. What have you been doing? At times we don't say it, but our actions say it. You go, hello, how are you? Good. Mm, this house actually looks dirty. What you are saying is, didn't you see it? You've been in this house doing nothing. No, they've been looking after the kids. You stay at home and look after the kids and see how interesting it is. It's interesting. <laughs> but can I say to you, there's a way to encourage your spouse so that they continue to do exactly the same thing. Whether they are the ones working or you are the ones staying at home, regardless of the roles that, that is the default position in your family, there's a way to encourage and spare each other on. Can I say to you, yes, I'm, I'm anointed for this, I'm called for this, but I couldn't do this without my wife. I couldn't. Oh, think about it. If I had a wife that goes, you're going to church again? Seriously? Do you think I, I could do this? No, I, I couldn't. If she wasn't supportive, I wouldn't even recognize the call. True? It's true. For some of us who work, if your spouse wasn't supportive, you wouldn't do as much as you're doing right now. So in other words, the more you support your spouse, the more they will be able to do. So when you encourage them, you don't have to tell them, hey, you've got to do this. I really need this. There's, so, there's nothing in the house of the children or something. You, know, you don't have to do all of that. But there's just a way you go, 
the way you stand up and go to work in the morning just makes you, me appreciate you more. They want to just do some more. They want to do some more. So there's a way to continue to encourage people in our lives just to get better in the things that they do. And can we do it? Yes, we can. As a choice that we've got to make. You know, the Bible said in Isaiah chapter 50, it says, God has given me words of wisdom so that I know how to encourage those who are weary. Those who are weary. God has given you words of wisdom. He's given you the tongue of the learned. You know, great talent needs encouragement. Don't just feel like because the person is really good at what they do, that they don't need encouragement, so they are the best in what they do. They do need encouragement to be able to do more. True? I, I do believe so. They need encouragement to be able to do more. Encouragement is deciding to make your problem my problem. Isn't it? How many of us, Jesus said, and Adi made reference of that earlier, said, when I was sick, you visited me. When I was hungry, you gave me food. And when I was in prison, you came to visit me. And then, he said, they will ask, but Lord, when? Because I didn't see you. Because if I saw Jesus, I'll do it. I didn't see you. He said, no, the time you did it to your neighbor, that's what you did it to me. Because today, you, you ask yourself, if Jesus was here today, this is what I'm going to do. No, Jesus is always here. He's here in everyone that you see. And he expects us to be able to respond to them the way we would respond to him. You know how we come to church at times? I'm not sure, you know. Um, some people, it's difficult for them to be able to say three words without a swear word the fourth time. Right? It's true. It's difficult. But however, you find out that when they go to church, there's a place in their, in their mind that switches. It switches off the swear component. All right? That it's difficult for that to come out. Why? Because they are always thinking about what they want to say. They think about it first. But once they are out, it goes back to default. Every fourth word is a swear word. And at times you ask yourself, why is that? And the reason, what I found out, is that when we are out, we think we can just do anything. We think we own ourselves. But when we are in a place where we feel like we need to give account to the master, we watch what we say. But can I say, we live all our lives to give account to the master. We give, right? Jesus is everywhere. He's omnipresent. He's present everywhere. So he sees us. Not to mark down what you've done wrong, but just to, for you to understand that he's still, he's still there. He's not only 
with you when you come to pastor to talk to pastor so you, can, you, don't, you don't swear when you're talking to pastor. And yet when you go back to talk to your mate outside, the next word that comes out is a swear word. How about you encourage them by the pattern of life that you show them? Encourage them. It's possible not to. It's possible not to live a swearing life. <laughs> you get Encourage them. Encourage them. You might say, well, in, in the area where um, I've just got to do it the way they do it here because here, that's what they do. So I've just got to. And no, you need to be different. You're a child of God. You're a light of the world, a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. You're light. They will know that you're a Christian. And at the end of the day, you realize, well, you swear anyway. So what kind of Christian are you? So they will know. So you're a light of the world and stand to be light. Shine. Let people see it. Let people see it. Show the love of God to them. You know, I think about a year and a half ago, two years ago, I think, no, about a year and a half ago, I was doing a particular course in, you know, I was, and we had a group session. And in that session, it was going to last 13 weeks. And from the very first week, 90%, aside from the lecturer, 90% of the people sitting were fantastic swearers. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And I'm thinking, where am I? They were professionals. And can I say to you, they, they, they were the counselors. And I'm thinking, you're counselors. And you swear this much. So what kind of help are you going to provide to people? They swore like a trooper. But it got to a point where I thought, you know what? It didn't, it didn't bother me. It distracted me. I thought, can I say something? I thought, yeah, 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 Michael's want to talk. Because I kept quiet while they were all just going, yeah, the, all they were saying. I just kept quiet. And they said, can I say something? I said, yeah. I said, I'm going to take you about 20 years back. I go, yeah, we're in the present. I say, I know. I want to make a point. Now, I told them how I was brought up, that I was born into a Christian family. And because I was born into a Christian family, that has become what, um, you know, what has formed my beliefs, what has formed my life. And I also realized that as professionals, you know, it's just not appropriate um, to speak in a manner like this. And I'm only just talking for myself. But I just wanted to check with you guys if it's encourageable to be able to speak to my client using a swear word because I'm really here to learn. They looked at me and went, okay, so you say we are swearing too much. I'm like, yeah, because it's really distracting. Because whatever you were saying, the swear word is holding back your true feelings. You are not expressing yourself. You are hiding behind the shroud. And the swear word becomes the shroud that hides your true feeling. And the lecturer went, point taken. From that day onward for the next 12 weeks. Every time each one slipped and, you know, went for the swear word, they look at me and go, sorry, Michaels. 
Do you know why? Because we are the light of the world. And if you allow your light to be covered, it will be covered for good. But allow your light to shine. Allow your light to shine. Anything that will shroud your light, tell them, hey, come here. I'm here to be a light. And I'm here to bring taste to the world because I'm the salt of the earth. Can I say again, encouragement is key to what we do. Encouragement is key. Everyone is going through one thing or the other. If you're not going through, let me see your hand. Don't be shy. Because we'll all come to you at the end and go, hey, you're not going through. You're fantastic. Can you tell us how you're doing? We're all going through something. But God is the strength of our lives. We depend on him. But whilst that is going on, we should be able to encourage ourselves every time. To go, hey, how's it going? Or oh, is well with you? Another way of encouraging is not just through words. It's through investing your time. Investing your resources. Investing anything you've got to invest to encourage that person. And anyone that you encourage has the potential of doubling their capacity. The last thing I'm going quickly going to say, I'm going to share a story that someone shared with me a while ago. We talked about this group of students who were selected at random, and this group of teachers, three teachers who were selected at random. And these teachers, they told them that you are the most brilliant teachers that we have in our community, so we've selected you. And they told the students, you are the most you know, interesting students in our community, so we've selected you. Um, your IQ is higher than every other person's IQ. So they brought all of these kids together for one, no, for one full year. These three teachers um, taught these kids. And at the end of that year, they realized that these kids, uh, their score was 30% higher than all of the schools. Then the principal, at the end of the year, called them. They took permission from the parents anyway. So at the end of the year, the principal called them to the office, called the children to the office. And said, no, not the children. They uh, teach us to the office and said, I've got a confession to make. And so what was the confession? So you see, we told you that the kids that you're going to be looking after were the most brilliant kids. They had high IQ. Say, so, however, we lied to you. Because these kids were just randomly selected anywhere, regardless of where they were. And yet, all of them came 30% higher than the average. And say, okay, oh great. So that means we're really good at what we do. Say, I've got a second confession to make. You know how we told you that you were the three most brilliant teachers, exceptional teachers, but actually you aren't. We just selected you at random to look after these kids. And you've outperformed yourself. That's fantastic. So the person that told the story actually said that you don't really know your capacity unless someone tells you how good you could become. 
And these kids were told, you are the most brilliant children in this community. So they went in with that perception and got ready to learn more. The teachers were told, you are the most exceptional in this community. They went in, brought in much more than was required. Can I say to you that when you encourage people, there's a tendency that their capacity will be enlarged for them to, you know, produce much more. Can I say to you, again, that it's our year of fruitfulness and abundance. And one way to get there is through encouragement. Because you can only encourage as much as that person has a capacity. But you can never view, you can never see the capacity unless otherwise you impose on them a capacity. Because if you see that they can go higher, talk them up. I'm not saying flatter them. I'm saying talk them up. Help them to move forward. You know, look at them and go, Timmy, right? And go, Timmy, you know, I'm not sure what you're studying, but whatever you're studying, I think you're brilliant in what you're doing because the way you, you come up, say something that encourages that person, ask them questions about their life. Do you know one thing that gets people first is when you ask them about themselves. Go, what, what's going on? How about you? What, you know, what do you do? They talk about themselves, and in talking about themselves, they discover more about themselves. And they know they can do much more. Can I say that we are brothers and sisters to be able to inspire us for greatness. And we can because God has given us the ability to. We can because God has given us the ability to. I didn't want to give you so many scripture, uh, scriptural references today, but I thought I should inspire you a little bit to look at the next person sitting by you and knowing fully well that you have a part to play in their future. You've got a part to play. You never can tell where they will go tomorrow. You never can tell who they become tomorrow. You know, when I was younger, I was skinny and small. <laughs> um, and, you know, at some point I was bullied in my life. But I always came back home and mom would tell me, do you know you're the best? I go, but mom, say, no, you're the best. God gave me the best kids. I'm like, yeah. And that got into my mind. And then there was another day. Sorry, my, my time is up. There was another day that mom just decided to start saying, you know, nothing can ever kill you because you're a child of God. And God has put so many things in your life that you're going to achieve in the future. So you won't die before your time. I've had three near-death experiences. Two out of stupidity. One out of whatever it was. Three near-deaths. And every time I escaped that death, I remember what mama said. Nothing can kill you because God has got a plan for your life. You see that? And aside from coming to understand the word of God, mom took from the word and inspired me from the very first day and go, you are the best kid. You, all of you kids are the best God gave me. God gave me the best kids. And I'm looking at other kids and going, yeah, we're the best. We're the best. So every time we gather together, we always say this. You are the best God ever made. And that is purposeful. So that you don't look at yourself as though 
oh, I'm nothing. No, you're the best. And if, you, if it was only just you, Jesus will still come to die. He would still come. He will still come. He loves you much more. And think about the love of God on another person and encourage them. Think about it. They are God's image and likeness. That's what James said. He said, they are God's image and likeness. So encourage them. Every time you have the opportunity, say, encourage them. And you know the right words to say. You know the right words to say. In Jesus' name. I hope this has blessed you this morning. Can I say just before we leave? That the only one who loves us more than we ever love ourselves is God. And that is why he makes us realize that there's nothing that is too good for us to attain to. He gave us the best. gave us Jesus. And he made preparation for our future. I'll ask you to keep trusting him. Believe him. Regardless of what you're going through, know that he's got your best interest at heart. Is that okay? He's got your best interest at heart. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Psalm 27, the Lord is your light and your salvation. Whom shall you fear? The Lord is the strength of your life. Of whom shall you be afraid? He said, when the wicked, even your enemies, came upon you to eat up your flesh, they stumbled and fell. And then in verse 4, he said, one thing have I desired of the Lord. And that is your part. He said, and that one thing will I seek after that, may, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to inquire in his temple. Because in the time of trouble, he will hide me in his pavilion, in his dwelling place. He loves you. Can I say that again? He loves you. Can you say to yourself, he loves me. He loves me. He would do anything to keep me safe. In Jesus' name. Can we stand on our feet? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you because you have spoken words of life to us. Words that will take us from this very point to another level. And we pray, God, that this word will never depart, but it will continue to inspire us, remind us of your promises, so that we can look forward to greater and mightier things in you. In Jesus' name we pray. The message you've heard was produced by the Trans Edge Church, and we hope it has inspired you. For more information, please visit our website, www.thetransedge.com, or you may contact us by email to frontdesk at thetransedge.com.